Your Excellency, Lady Lorimer, Chairman and Commissioners, Chief Minister, Lord Bishop, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Castletown on this glorious, sunny, tropical day. <laughs> and you think I'm joking? This time of year we often have waves coming from that pier to that pier. And when we were setting out how to organise this, um, we thought of heavy rain, heavy wind, high seas, but not snow. <laughs> anyway, it's been kind to us. We have this wonderful weather and we're very fortunate to have it. The idea of commemorating uh, the HM Brig of War racehorse tragedy started in uh, July 2021 when I met up with Brian King, and Brian sat over there, who was one of the divers who discovered the wreck. And Brian informed me that uh, today, the 14th of December, 2022, is exactly 200 years since the loss of the ship off Langness. And he was concerned that in fact, um, the history and the tragedy would not be remembered because it's actually a very little known incident which had major implications uh, after it, which affected the world. I rashly said to Brian, as I sometimes can be rash, look, Brian, don't worry about it. I'll get something sorted out, I'm sure. And from there, um, I met with a few people that I knew, and we formed ourselves into a small group called the Commemoration Group. And we sat down to see what to do to make sure that this occasion was marked and that we remember the incident of 1822. Your Excellency, we are delighted that you have come along to unveil this plaque. Um, and the plaque was put here because one, it views out to Langness, and also importantly, that future generations will actually find out a bit about HM Racehorse, because so few people know about it and what had happened and in fact, what evolved from it. So, we're pleased to do that and we're really pleased so many people have come here to be with us today. Many of them are people who've dived down to the wreck uh, and have uh, over the years recovered lots of items that you'll see. Uh, those of you who are going to the uh, reception afterwards up in the town hall, you'll see many of the items that have been raised over the years. We are, event we are really appreciative that the Chief Minister and the Lord Bishop are also here this afternoon, and the Chairman of Commissioners, uh, to commemorate with us as a community the incident of 1822. May I thank everybody who's been involved. There have been so many people involved in making this happen. Department of Infrastructure, Culture Vannon, uh, Harbour's side of infrastructure, Castletown Commissioners, and many, many other individuals who've helped us along the way to make sure that today we could bring this about. So a big thank you to everybody, and I hope you uh, will enjoy this afternoon in us commemorating the incident of 1822. Thank you very much. Your Excellency, Lady Lorimer, Mr Chairman, Chief Minister, Lord Bishop, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm Charles Gard and I've been asked to say a few words this afternoon, I'll keep it brief because I don't want you to get sunstroke, um, <laughs> about the story of the racehorse. 200 years ago on this very afternoon, the events that we're about to commemorate started to unfold. And actually, uh, by this time, 
on that very day, His Majesty's Brig of War, the racehorse, had left the Admiralty berth at Hollyhead on Anglesey and with a light wind and conditions very similar to this, was on its way here to the Isle of Man. In a way, the story actually starts 60 years earlier. The hugely successful smuggling operation that the Isle of Man had been running for decades uh, came finally to a shuddering halt when the British government stepped in and effectively confiscated the running of the Isle of Man from the then Lord of Man, the third Duke of Athol. The island was now under the control of the British customs system and this was designed to eradicate or at least uh, minimise our brilliant smuggling trade. And so it was in early October 1822 that one of His Majesty's revenue cutters, HMS Vigilant, with 54 men and guns, uh, 10 guns, was sheltering in Douglas Bay whilst on one of its anti-smuggling tours of duty. However, during the night she suffered severe damage. And when the Admiralty had been notified of this, was decided to send another Royal Naval vessel, HMN, uh, HM Brig of War a racehorse, to the island to escort the damaged vigilant back to Plymouth for repairs. The racehorse was a sloop of war, a vessel with a single deck and up to 18 guns. And the word sloop, by the way, comes from the Dutch sloepen, which means to glide. The racehorse was manned by nearly a hundred officers, crew and marines, with their captain, William Suckling, the acting master, Henry Hodder, and a pilot, William Edwards, an experienced seaman, or so they thought, from South Wales. It was the master who actually steered the ship and was responsible for reading the charts, for navigation, and he might well have requested a pilot to be on board because none of the crew had sailed in Manx waters before. And you'd imagine that this might have been a fairly uneventful voyage, but it seems that the pilot was either incompetent or, well, actually he was incompetent. <laughs> the weather was sunny, visibility was very good when they left Hollyhead, but by the time they reached the island, the wind had strengthened and it was dark, December. The light is fading by about 3.30 and by 5pm they passed the lights on the calf, the two new lighthouses that had been lit for the first time just three years earlier and marked the treacherous offshore reef, the Chicken's Rock. Shortly afterwards, the captain ordered the sails to be reduced to slow the ship down. And there seems to have been some question as to how close the ship was to the shore. The captain was worried it was too close, but the pilot assured him it wasn't, uh, and that in fact they were some seven miles out. Then 20 minutes later, at 5.20, a light was seen, which the pilot claimed was the light on Douglas Pier Head. Now, in 1822, there was a substantial stone tower lighthouse at the end of the Red Pier in Douglas, which it was said could be seen for up to six miles out to sea. But here was the problem, as I'm sure you've already deduced. If they'd passed the calf lights at five o'clock, then there was no way uh, that they could have been in Douglas 20 minutes later. And anyone who knew the Manx coast would have known that. Looking at his charts, the master, Henry Hodder, expressed his doubt 
saying that the direction the light was coming from didn't match the charts, but the pilot said it had to be the Douglas light as there was no other such light along the coast. At this point, a member of the crew thought he spotted land, which he reckoned to be only a mile away. But again, the pilot said they were seven miles out. And because none of the crew knew Manx waters, they really couldn't argue. So we have a vessel under sail in the dark, in an increasingly heavy sea, under the guidance of a pilot who didn't know where he was, but worse, actually thought he was somewhere else and didn't know what the lights he was looking at actually were. Believing they were now in Douglas Bay, where the ship was to stand off, the pilot's instruction was to turn into the port, uh, to port. And suddenly, a crew member saw breaking surf, shouted a warning, but too late. The racehorse hit a ledge of rocks and the waves and the sails kept battering her against it. In fact, they were hard against the rocks of the Skarens, which is a treacherous reef just off Dresic Point across the bay there at the end of Langness. Nowhere near Douglas. Guns were fired, the stress signals were sent up and the ship started taking water too fast to be pumped out. She'd been holed in the bilge at the bottom of the ship. Now two of her small boats were lowered in the chaos and nearly 40 of the men were able to row towards the rocks to try and get a landing. It's thought one of the boats got to Fort Island and the other got as far as Port Greenock, where they came ashore. But remember, all this was done in the dark, in rough seas, along a coast that no one had any experience of. And it must have been truly terrifying. The people of Castletown here saw the distress signals and parties set out to see what was happening. Some went along the Langness Peninsula, whilst others took boats straight across the bay to the tip of Langness. And I walked out there last week, past the remains of the ancient copper mine, over the Iron Age ramparts, and I scrambled across the deep gullies that run from one side of the promontory to the other. And there, just off the far coast, is a group of deadly rocks that the racehorse was pinned on. In one of the gullies on the far side is nothing more than an old concrete slipway, but this is Dresic Harbour. One of the rescue boats got that far, and it made several successful attempts to get the men off the racehorse, saving 38 lives, rowing backwards and forwards in the heaving seas, and simply getting off the men off the brig as it was battered by the crashing waves in the dark was a feat in itself. A light had been placed at Dresic to guide the boat in and out, and bundles of straw had been lit to provide more light. By now there were only 14 men left on board, and the small boat managed to get them off, but tragedy struck on its last trip. The little boat hit rocks and overturned, tipping all the men into the freezing water, many of whom in those days, of course, could not swim. Five of the racehorse's crew were drowned as did three of the rescuers from Castletown. And along with one of the ship's young boys who'd been swept overboard earlier, that made nine fatalities in all. It's difficult to imagine the confusion and anguish here in Castletown. Never mind what was happening to the 40 men in the other two small boats rowing in the dark, coming ashore they knew not where. 
If it was at Port Greenwich in 1822, there'd be few people around. Somehow they would have to make their way here, even though they thought they were going to Douglas. So then there would be over 90 surviving crew members to look after and house in Castletown in thing until things could be sorted. Four days later, after recovering, Captain Suckling sat down to write the letter that no captain would ever want to write. Addressed to the Admiralty, it began, Sir, with the utmost upset, I have to report to you the loss of His Majesty's sloop racehorse. The unquestioning bravery of the Castletown men that day is remarkable, and it was men like this from the island's ports who worked with Sir William Hillary, at that time living in Douglas, and performing, without hesitation, heroic rescues, saving many lives and eventually leading to the foundation of the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, which celebrates its 200th anniversary in two years' time. In fact, after the racehorse disaster, the Admiralty agreed to pay pensions for life to the widows of the Castletown men who had lost their lives in recognition of their heroic acts. Sadly, there was a less savoury side to the incident when one of the crew and some of the locals were caught looting and dealing in stolen goods from the ship, and they were tried and found guilty, probably leading to transportation to a penal colony, and we think in one case, execution here at Castle Russian. There was a public inquiry, of course, and the resulting, lane, uh, resulting blame lay squarely with the pilot, William Edwards, and with the master, Henry Hodder, who should have insisted on depth soundings to judge how near the coast they were. The two were reprimanded, and Edwards was, believe it or not, told to be more careful in future. <laughs> and he was also fined, but that was it. The captain, William Suckling, and the rest of the crew were exonerated. But what light had the hapless pilot seen? He later claimed that it was the lights from Scarlet House, which is still there, a large house standing in its own grounds across the bay from the end of Langness, where there just happened to be a wake taking place, marking the death of a Captain Thompson. Apparently these lights were mistaken for the lights of Douglas Harbour, or so the pilot claimed. Now it wasn't until 1844 that the first dive and salvage happened and using early diving helmets, 30 tonnes of pig iron ballast and a quantity of copper was brought up. But in 1968, a group of local divers, led by Brian King, rediscovered the wreck, and this led to the recovery of many fascinating artefacts over the following years. And eventually the wreck was purchased by the Isle of Man Sub Aqua Club, whose members have been carefully and methodically excavating the site ever since. And as we've heard, it was Brian King, along with Tony Brown here, who initiated today's commemoration, the placing of a plaque to remind us of a tragedy and of outstanding heroism. Now, I'm sure you'd agree it'll be most appropriate this afternoon to take a moment to hear the names of those six crew and three rescuers who lost their lives just across the bay 200 years ago. And so I'd like to call on three pupils from Victoria Road Primary School to read those names. During the tragedy, nine men lost their lives. The three men from Castletown who went to the 
rescue and lost their lives were Norris Brideson, Thomas Hall and Robert Quayle. The six men from the ship who lost their lives were Thomas Main Boner, Charles Caggart and John Grundy. William Millet, William Stewart and James White. Thank you very much. And now uh, could I call on His Excellency Sir John Lorimer to say a few words and to officially unveil the commemorative plaque. Uh, Chief Minister, my Lord Bishop, uh, Castledown Commissioners, ladies and gentlemen, uh, can I first start by welcoming everyone here today. Um, what a, an amazing, amazing occasion. Before I unveil the plaque, uh, I thought on your behalf I ought to just congratulate everyone who's been involved uh, in, in, in getting this going and, and for organising it. So that's the uh, His Majesty Brigade of War uh, Racehorse Commemorative Group. And I think uh, all volunteers under, under the leadership of Tony Brown uh, have done a fantastic job and uh, I think we ought to just give them a round of applause. So many congratulations and thanks to everyone in involved. Um, I'd also like to highlight uh, a few individuals and also organisations. But first of all, clearly to Brian King, who I understand uh, with Pete Frogley, were the, uh, the first to die back in 68. And uh, clearly Brian was one of the driving forces to make everything so. Uh, but also, as you've heard from Tony, uh, a number of organisations have been working closely together uh, to bring this all to a conclusion. Culture Vannon, Department, Department for Infrastructure, obviously the Commissioners, Manx National Heritage, Hartford Homes and King George's Fund for Sailors. So well done to all of those people and to thank them for all their support. Now today there's a, there's a special attendee who I'd like to highlight and that is uh, Mrs Celia Dodd. Now many of you will not know Mrs Dodd because she lives with her husband in the UK but Mrs Dodd is a descendant of one of the ship's personnel who was lost in this tragic accident. Uh, incident. Her, I think it's great, 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 great grandfather uh, was Charles Caggett, who uh, obviously lost his life. And Mrs. Dodd, Mr. and Mrs. Dodd, you're, it's great to see you here, and uh, you're most welcome. So finally, and as a, I think that what is extraordinary out of, out of a tragedy, something great came and you heard from Charles Gard how uh, William Hillary uh, his call for a national maritime life-saving organization which obviously became the RNLI uh, you know was this was one of the incidents that probably encouraged him to really push for such an for such a, an organization so from something ghastly and tragic something great came so recognising that some of you are going into hypothermia, <laughs> I shall now have the great uh, pleasure and honour to unveil the plaque uh, to commemorate uh, the tragic incident of HM Brig of War Racehorse. <laughs> 
As we gather this afternoon, so we remember those members of the Royal Navy who sailed and protected the waters around this island. We call to mind especially those who served in His Majesty's Brig of War, the Racehorse. We recall the challenges and dangers of daily life at sea, giving thanks for their comradeship, their loyalty to each other and to their ship and confident of God's loving purposes for all who lost their lives, including the rescuers from this place of Castletown, and grieved for them, we ask that this plaque may keep faith with their memory. You, O Lord, brought them into the haven they desired, and we will remember them. In the faith of Jesus Christ, we dedicate this memorial to the glory of God and in memory of the 200th anniversary of the loss of His Majesty's Brig of War racehorse and nine men off Langness. God our Father, your Son is the Lord of all. He walked on the water and stilled the storm. May we respond trustfully to his call safely navigate the storms of this world 
and in the end be brought to the haven that you have prepared for us, for your mercy's sake. Amen. And we hear the Royal Naval Prayer, which would have been familiar to the crew of His Majesty's Brig of War racehorse and continues to be used today in the Royal Navy. O eternal Lord God, who alone spreadest out the heavens and rulest the raging of the sea, who hast compassed the waters with bounds until day and night come to an end, be pleased to receive into thy almighty and most gracious protection the persons of us, thy servants, and the fleet in which we serve. Preserve us from the dangers of the sea and from the violence of the enemy that we may be a safeguard unto our most gracious Sovereign Lord, King Charles and his dominions, and a security for such as pass upon the seas on their lawful occasions, that the inhabitants of our island may, in peace and quietness, serve thee, our God, and that we may return in safety to enjoy the blessings of the land with the fruits of our labours and with the thankful remembrance of thy mercies, to praise and glorify thy holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <coughs> the hymn, Eternal Father, Strong to Save. Thank 
just thank you all for coming along to this special uh, commemoration uh, I hope uh, you've appreciated it and enjoyed it and uh, please uh, have a safe journey home on this wonderful weather we know the roads might be icy but please take care and of course for those who have the uh, invites uh, who are going to the reception we'll wander up to the town hall uh, in the next few minutes so again Thank you all very much, and thank you to the two lifeboats for attending as well today. Uh, Port St Mary and Douglas, thank you all. Thank you, everybody.